Welcome to That Comic Smell Podcast. With your hosts, David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Giuseppe Labutino, Mike Sadakat, and Tom Stewart, with special guest, Olivia Hicks. Thank you for listening to another episode of That Comic Smell Podcast. Um, Before we fire into the episode, we have a recommendation for another brilliant comics podcast for you to listen to. Welcome from the Lakes International Comic Art Festival podcast. My name's Ian. And I'm Nikki. And our podcast is all about, surprise, surprise, comics. We interview big and upcoming names from the comic world. We also review the latest in comics, graphic novels and comic-based films. We also chat about what we've seen, what we've enjoyed and what we're playing in our pop culture section. So listen to us, you'd be mad not to, at comicartpodcast.uk or on all your usual podcast players. And find us on Twitter at comicartfestpod. Hope you enjoyed that. Go nip across to the Comic Arts Festival podcast and give them a listen. Give them a wee like, a subscribe, or follow them any way that you can. They're great folks and an absolutely stellar podcast. Now, on with the show. You only tackle sharks the so, size of skyscrapers. Uh, I've got his yeah. and Come in! Come in! Cool. Should I open the door? Yeah, but that's maybe a dog. It's maybe a dog. Oh, it is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> the tail. Bum, 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 bum. Hubbard's at the ball. I sat and started watching Hubbard the Duck this week. It's a good job it's not one of the really hot days, is it? I am just Well, hey, I'm Olivia, sorry. Nice to meet you. What's, hey, going, what's, right? what's going on here? What's oh, going on? I can't be arsed. I need to do it. <laughs> it looks so rugged. It's just that. It's literally that. There's nothing else to it. Because look, it isn't kept. You know, right, there isn't yeah, like yeah. a... Always a fan of a beard. <laughs> yeah, i got to shave it though, because my daughter won't let me, you know, kiss it. So, three favourite comic creators. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking earlier on, it's not as easy as you think. No. Choose and pick just three. No. And our honourable mention as well. If you, like want, you. Oh, if you want. want. I have an honourable mention. Honourable mention. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> You've blown it, Mike. You've blown it. I was going to throw that in. I so, know I'm a villain. Yeah, that's good. Let's go through our top three. So, interesting. And then I was going to ask you if you had any honourable mentions at the end. Oh, right. Just uh, an extra you know, one. Oh, right. I didn't know what that meant. So, yeah. um, Fuck, I missed out on the joke. <laughs> <laughs> You're that guy. No. Yeah, I'm the dumb, slow one in the corner. The what? <laughs> what? I was thinking about these three and I went for 
what I felt in my heart and thought, yeah, that's it. So I go one from my childhood, one from my teens, and one from my adulthood. Different comic creators I met at different times in my life, and they are important, um, and they're very, very different. Uh, And I thought that probably no one else would mention them, so it would be good, so we don't repeat. So I start chronologically, having my childhood. Hopefully the forum, because... Well, there's everything. Well, yeah. All the Americans. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Language. Language, I mean. The first one from my childhood, which introduced me into comic books, superheroes, not necessarily comic books in general, but superheroes, was John Byrne, which is English born Canadian that lives in the United States. A big uh, artist in 70s, 80s in Marvel. He did Uncanny X-Men. He did the uh, scripts and the art for Fantastic Four. And that's the Fantastic Four uh, that I first read. And I was about 10. Nice. And that was the first story that I read. Uh, and it just something click I thought the art was really good really fresh a very sharp line um, and yeah okay it's outdated to happen nowadays but it's to me it's John Byrne it's just anything that he did afterwards I just follow he did Alpha Flight as well uh, he did Hulk then he went to DC did Superman and also went to Dark Horse and he co-created Hellboy with our uh, with my Mignola, the first limited series. Actually, sits of. Have you just bought these? No, no, these are. Oh. Uh, but they're very well kept. Yeah, look, <laughs> they look like part of the recent. And, yeah. and in Dark Horse also did a series called Next Men, which is science fiction and superhero elements mixed <coughs> there. And um, again, very enjoyable. And he was the sole creator of it. So yeah, John Barney is my first one. Oh. So have a look here, see what you think. Oh, nice it pack. might be, it might not be your cup of tea, but certainly. That's a, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a good have solid. A so, yeah. Oh. Let's pass them along. Right, we'll just pack up and go home. That's it. That's what I need. No, because this is first runner. Fantastic. That's the, yeah. That's the first. He, he went away and said Well, he did some again. art. He did art in Fantastic Four, and then he came back as a full like you, author. Yes. Doing ah. the scripts he and doing the art, it, and yeah. he's doing the scripts and doing the art. Yeah, recognize the art. You, I like yeah, it. you probably seen him. Yeah. Because um, he did the, lots. The jaw, the jaw is. Uh, yeah, very. It's a very um, recognizable yeah, style. Figures and styles, and it was something on him. The art, it was. Very cinematic at times as well. Uh, it was just bombastic. He had the stuff from, which now obviously I know, but at that time I didn't know, from Jack Kirby, but yeah. also he had other elements from other artists and just makes it at the right balance. And to me, it was the artist of superheroes. That was it. Yeah. John Byrne, that was the one. Oh, I like the look of this. Los Cuatro Fantásticos. The Alpha Fight was oh, good as well. The Alpha Fight was really good actually, yeah. Because yeah. he went, instead of going a full superhero story, he, he went into the the characters and the personality of them and the relationships, and there was a lot of it. Um, it was quite interesting. Good choice. 
What's so interesting is that they have the photographs of yeah, the creative yeah. team on the back. I think yeah. it's so cool to have like the co- not just John Byrne, but also the colorist yes. and the inkers like photos yeah, well, on the back. It's mm, yeah, that, that edition of that, the, which is a graphic novel yeah. when it came mm. out. That was when Marvel was trying to do this sort of format and similar yeah. to the European sort of form and album, yeah. and they were trying something with style, different quality paper and and different approach. So yeah, that was a nice touch because for the first time you were able to see who were. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I've seen some photos of John Byrne previously, but that one you see Peter Scotese and, and um, what's it? Uh, Kim DeMolder. Kim DeMolder, which I always thought Kim DeMolder was a, a woman, and then it transpired that it's a guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? So yeah, it, it was interesting to see the sort of editions as well. Yeah, this is it's like a really beautiful like even with the sort of the folds of the i don't know yeah it's, a really stuff, nice. it's yeah, kind yeah. of like uh an art book like when you buy like a, a book that's like a hulka uh, yeah yeah that's, that's how they, that's that's how they call she hulk in spain Sim. they say to be hulka, hulka. Yeah. i like that la <laughs> sensacional hulka it's great there you go oh thank you i wonder if the american one had that as well the photos on the back i don't know yeah. but certainly that edition when they did in spain mm. that was that is I've got like really a nice. cloak and dagger predator and prey graphic novel that they did in like the late 80s and it doesn't have the book folds sort of the I don't remember what you call those things it doesn't have the folds on the cover and it has pictures of the artist or it has a picture of the writer and the artist on the back but it's drawn pictures so oh, it's yeah. the artist has drawn a picture of Bill Mantlo and mm. I can't remember who the guy drew that one so and it doesn't have that um, thick a cover it's a uh, more of a sort of it's a uh, the cover isn't like mm. like shiny and yeah. it doesn't have that feel to it. So well, yeah, I feel like maybe there's a bit more for the European yeah. market. They well, I don't know that one when it was published in yeah, Spain by cool. Comics Forum. Comics Forum was the the publisher that did all the Marvel stuff at that time. Oh. And they did publish this comic in a separate magazine, and then they decided well, we're gonna bring out some graphic novels as they consider they should have been brought out. So I just wonder if they they added this the yeah. edition to the to the edition. I don't know, but certainly uh, really good quality. And so yeah, it's a mean hole. That's like the uh, original form, the uh, grey version. But he's always acknowledged as being weaker than the green version, so he's sort of portrayed a wee bit smaller there. Well, is that what the new She-Hulk mm. where she's grey is kind of alluding to? Mm, not so sure. Probably. Um, yeah, she's like, I, it's one of those Marvel series where the, you start with number one and you need to have read about six different crossovers mm. yeah. to understand yeah. number one. So I couldn't really understand the new She-Hulk. Yeah. But she was sort of grey and didn't mm, seem to be very powerful. Cop in. Cop in the, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's me. Right, Dave. This one happens at me, yeah. I was thinking it was going to go across to you, but mm-hmm. I don't know why. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, it could, but... It could right, ping in any ball. direction, can't it? Uh, mm. You need to get a bottle and start rolling on your eyeball. At first, I was going to just go obvious. I was just thinking, you know, big, big hitters, you know. And then I thought, no, I won't do that. Because it about them all the time, you know, anyway. So I've got, my first one is Sam Henderson of Magic Whistle. Ah, right. yes, 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 And yes. This, this book here, Cuba Can Be Funny. Yes, you brought it. <laughs> yeah, good. The American humor. Humor. 
Omar. And I just, I just love his. I mean, look at that right away. He's got me so fucking funny. I mean, I would just open that in the shop and be ha, right and be getting my money out. Yeah. The book is telling me so fucking funny. You'll fucking die. That's just the first page I've opened. It, yeah. So there you are. I just love his kind of. Ma- it's, it reminds me a bit of you know Sergio Aragones with the Aragones with the. Frenetta. Yes. He, it looks like he drew it in about 10 seconds, you know, the, the entire page. And I just love the humour. It's just great. And people are always like pulling the tongue out in the eyes. And I, I just love the guy's work. And like all these things, there's little bits of, you know, truth and poignancy in amongst all the mm. utter idiot bullshit as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect panel, surely. Some, I mean, the last time I looked, he was doing like one of these a year. He's like, you know, he's not making money doing this. You know, he's got some other real life video. So he has to spend all his time doing that and then put up one of these a year, you know. Well, but, I just think he's terrific, you know. Magic Whistle, Sam Henderson. There we go. When's this one? Two, so, 2014. Now, I guess it's the kind of thing you might look at and go, but... I don't like that, it's crap, you know. So do you pick them up by mail order? This was from the, the uh, comic shop, Dundee. I had done. I had him on order. Magic oh, right. Whistle. So whenever... But apart from that, you know, these are the kind of things, if you're lucky, you'll find them in a dump bin, you know, 50 pence or something, little gems. Right. So have a look and see if you like it. I love it. I know Magic Whistle is really good. Yeah, very direct to the point, no nonsense. Yeah, yeah. He, he shows and tells you what you think, but you don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I like this, this cinema thing. Very yeah, risky. I like but, the first you know, so, so Non PC and everything. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the first and, one's got you laughing now. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean about uh, Sergio. Yeah, yeah, there's a similarity, isn't there? The energy of it. Is that the guy that wrote Gru? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. He, he, you know Peter Bagg hate series? Mm-hmm. He, Sam Henderson sent a letter to Peter Bagg's hate and he printed it and it was in like one of the early issues and he said, yeah, I like hate, blah, blah, blah. But what you really should do is when you finish this, uh, to finish your series, have... Bud, uh, have Buddy Bradley find a magic whistle and then that can be the end you know he's just plugging his corner but that's how it ended that's how hate ended the last page of hate he's lying in bed talking and then he goes oh what's this and he goes a magic whistle and it was the end what <laughs> <laughs> really yeah wow <laughs> he must have been sitting looking at that like <gasps> <laughs> so yeah 90s probably when I got oh. into him and uh, nice. still puts out things. He did one that was called Seen But Not Heard, and it was all silent comics in that one. So that's it, Magic Whistle. Cool. Uh, okay, so I wasn't like... I didn't know if these are like my favourite, favourite, favourites, but I felt like somebody was asking me about who my influences were, and I had a throwaway line about the Trinity of Kate, and I was like, actually, that's brilliant. Like, there's these... Three, four creators all names that can be shortened down to Kate, and they're all great. So I was like, this is what I'm gonna talk about. Nice. So 
I don't have childhood, teenagers, adulthood, but I do have teenage years, which is Kate Beaton, Harker Vagrant. Ah, nice. I read this, I didn't realise how long I'd read this online for. I'd probably followed it, probably since I was about 14 or 15, in bits and pieces. Like, people would be talking about one of the of the comics at, cool, at school, because I'd be hanging with cool kids, and you kind of would read Ron, and you'd read another one, and then you'd just go and read her whole, everything she'd ever put on it. And uh, she was at Thought Bubble a couple of years back, and I wanted to tell, like, you kind of want to say something. So I was like, oh, I really like this script you did. I really like this script you did. And I realized I had about 10 years worth of reading. And I was like, I don't like that one. I like that one. I like that one. I like that one. I like that one. And she was at the end of it. She's like, heck. So basically, she does a lot of stuff that's sort of based in history, based in literature. It was a lot of stuff that I used to read when I was, before I found comics, I used to read books. And so a lot, of, right? I always just like to read uh, classics. So it's a lot of stuff that like Wolverine and Heights and Jane Austen. So jokes about that, which I think are absolutely hilarious. Um, my fa- uh, my favorite one she does. Well, she's done a lot. She's done a Great Gatsby one, which is really great. But um, one of my favorite things she's ever done is this a series of comics about the Nancy Drew books, which I've never read. I've read half of one now, but this is everything I know about Nancy Drew is from this comic. Okay. And what she does is she takes the front cover of a classic Nancy Drew and then tries to finish it off just from the cover scene. So there's one where, uh, what's a good one? So this one, and it's called... Uh, the Secret of Redgate Farm, and on the cover it's uh, Nancy Drew, and she's looking at a group of people in white robes dancing. And so she continues on, she's like, What secret dance club is this? I have to join. And this guy's like, Nancy, do you know who they are? And Nancy's put on a Klux Klan hat, <laughs> no, and she's like, No, but I will. And he's like, I'm calling your PR department. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> or like oh there's one where she's got a torch and a peacock and she's like I need to solve a mystery but this cat is in the way and this guy's like Nancy Nancy are you alright she's like go away cat and he's like Nancy and then she turns around she's like Mr. President he's like oh Nancy and just those lines to me are iconic like me and my brother real quote KB into each other which is like it's really so there's a great Gatsby joke she does where Daisy the horrible wife is just sitting on her baby and someone goes, what about that baby? She goes, and she's sitting on she just goes, what baby? And me and my brother always just going, what baby? To each other. <laughs> I'll do, I'll just show you guys one more. That, uh, this is one where she, so there's a guy and a girl in the cover standing in front of a, a fireplace with skulls on it. And she's like, oh, Ned, I love your skull connect collection. He's like, oh, Nancy, I knew you'd understand. He's like, he's like, this that one is called Janice, and that one is Claire. And she's like, girls' names. And then she tells her, she's like, should I be jealous? And he goes, <laughs> and he goes yes. <laughs> and so the humor is very, like, offbeat, and it kind of always ends really suddenly. I just, the way she draws expressions is just so funny. She's just the most expressive one. She's got one about sexy Tudors, which is... Or it's kind of inspired by the Tudors TV show, which is amazing. And I kind of mentioned this amongst all the thousands of comics I was telling her that I had enjoyed over the years. And she said the Nancy Drew ones, she'd been in hospital and she was kind of fevered up as a child. And she'd read these Nancy Drews in a fever. And that's kind of what she remembers about it. And I think you really get that sort of feverish sense of just this nightmare world when you read these. I, I kind of, I don't know, I just what it is about these that I think is just so funny. But I just, that Nancy Drew script is one of the funniest things that's ever been done in the history of the world. Uh, the way she draws is amazing. Um, yeah. the, just the ideas she has, the use of 
the commentary on history, uh, it's all it's all really great. Like Kate Beaton's just a top notch, top notch artist and thinker and writer. She's just beautiful. She's brilliant. She's brilliant and she's beautiful. I could see the person. She's also a beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah. She does sort of. She every now and then she'll do like superhero stuff, which is also I enjoy a lot. She did a Cloak and Dagger series, oh, which yeah. Cloak and Dagger one of my favorite Marvel characters, which I think tells you everything you need to know about me and Marvel, if I think Cloak and Dagger are one of the best things, I'm just like, Cloak and Dagger? She does one, and the whole thing is around the fact that yeah, Dagger's costume is ridiculous, and the whole thing is just the costume flipping over, and Cloak being like, Dagger, we're having a serious moment! She's like, I'm sorry, my costume won't stay on! And it's so funny. That's when I first heard of her, she, does, she did some Wonder Woman stuff in there. Yeah. And I it, flipped uh, through, there's quite, got some Wonder Woman in there. It's yeah. quite early in that book. That's, for, for a long time, I thought she did Wonder Woman comics. <laughs> I mean, somebody went, I think it was on the Comics Journal board, somebody went, look at this, uh, this is good. And, and I went and looked, and yeah, all these Wonder Woman comics, and I thought, oh, that's good. And then I didn't think any more about it for years. So I just thought Kate Beaton was somebody that did Wonder Woman uh. knockoffs. And then I like, got this book, and it was, oh, that was a tiny amount of what she yeah. does. You know, she does all manner stuff. Well, I mean, the way I came to her was through the stuff she was doing on, like, Jane Austen, <laughs> and she did, like, uh, one about Jane Austen fan art, which was really funny. And she had one about monks, where, like, one of the monks, like, I'm, he's, like, in the 14th century, and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm doing the illustrated manuscript of St. Matthew. And the other monk's like, I'm doing my St. Matthew fan fiction. <laughs> and then they're like, you are not a good monk. And it's like, and just stuff like that. I was just so funny. And then like, uh, yeah, and then obviously when you read it, Janet Jackson, she does a Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson nasty comic, which goes on it's all about one of the men in the music That's video nice. being called nasty and then changing his and then changing his ways and but like he's kind of thinking about he kind of owns the fact that he's nasty. There's this whole it's like this ridiculously long comic about a guy in the background of a Janet Jackson music video. But that's how come I know that song in the first place is through uh. Kate. Yeah, so Kate is kind of an interesting way from that I got into sort of some elements of pop culture mm. and books oh, and cool. stuff was through Kate Beaton's comics. I think that says a lot about me that I didn't know about Janet Jackson's nasty until I <laughs> read Kate Beaton. Oh, you're too young. Miss, you missed that. I missed, I missed Janet Jackson's nasty. This that's is the good. first graphic novel I've seen, though. One of the first ones that's got an index. Yeah, it's yeah. good that it has got an index. I, oh, I fancy a bit of a whatever. But, uh, yeah, you have to, because there's no real way to navigate <laughs> that book if you, unless you're reading it back. Like, if you just want to find that one strip, like which is yeah. what often happens to me, I have to go to the back. Yeah. And, to find the Nancy Drew stuff, or to mm. find the Great Gatsby, or whatever. <laughs> I, I didn't bring any books, but I did come with the uh, the three. Oh yeah, cool man, yeah. Uh, I don't know why, I must have had a senior moment thinking, well, they'll all know what I'm on about. But the first one that came to mind was uh, Sergio Aragones. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, because Grew the Wanderer, uh, just has a special place in my heart. Maybe from when I was 10, started reading it. I'm not quite sure. It might have been around that age. But yeah, as soon as I saw that artwork, I was like, oh, this is amazing. What's this? And it was funny. Mm -hmm. So I was hooked straight away because I couldn't quite get... I didn't realise it was a parody on Conan and all that kind of palaver. I was thinking, when's this set? <laughs> When's this set? Yeah. I was, I was too boxed into kind of 
even though I read comics, I was too boxed into concrete reality, thinking, well, it's is it the Middle Ages? Is it before they are? What the fuck are dragons doing in it and stuff like that? <laughs> but the, but it was his it was his splash pages when when you when a, when you come over that first page that every single it it was just like. That's the first thing I wanted to see as yeah. soon as I that comic. Before I'd even read the so yeah, before I'd even read that first page, I was like, oh, look at that. And you need, I got to know that every splash page you signed it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that became part of the the game, the, the game of mm-hmm. finding where he'd signed his his name. Yeah. But it was just like it was quite inspiring because I was like, look how many things he's drawn on here. How's he got all that to work and stuff like that. I mean, it was frustrating as well, but at the time I got home, I only came to find out in my later years that he was known as a, a really quick oh, yeah. artist. Yeah, really, yeah, really, yeah. really fast. Um, I didn't really know him from Mad, oh. even though I might have seen him, mm-hmm. not many issues of Mad came my way through right. my hands, so I'd probably maybe seen it, and then it might have sparked something later in Groove, but Groove was the one that got me. Um, got me hooked on it. It was just when you were looking at the splash pages, where you were looking at every single detail, all the characters tend to look into his yeah. jokes because there was always a scene. Those jokes, yeah. Despite the, the fact that he's a really fast artist, the amount of the detail yeah. puts in every page. I mean, that's the thing. And then they find out that the he's com- quick, and the composition and of it, the composition yeah. of it, because then we were talking about. Hundreds. He must have slowed hundreds. down a bit when he was doing them. Of though. faces and noses and fights and you know and animals out. and. I mean, finding out that he was doing that quick, but he he's got always slowed down when he was doing them. I saw him talk about that. He he gets asked all the time because he says that he does a page a day or something. He's got some rate, and then people are always saying, "Come on, there's no way you do all that like in one day." And he's and he said, "No, he would, he would finish." He would do so much on that big splash with all the details, and then the next day he starts on the next page. And if he gets that page finished, he's still got two hours left of the day. He goes back and does a bit more on that one. Right. And but every day he starts a new page. Right. And then what does extra work if he's got right. time? Okay. So does it's very organised. Does he do the colouring and the lettering? No. I don't, I don't. It wasn't. Well, this yeah. is letters Stan Saki. Yeah. Stan Sakai, yeah. Stan Sakai, yeah. Stan Sakai, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. colours Tom Lu. Yeah, it was it. Yeah. And Mark Evanier would also mm-hmm. re- yeah, script and rewrite. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, Sergio Aragon. There's also later on, when Black Hole was still open, I picked up... Uh, some other issues uh, uh, that he'd done, uh, a four-part mini-series uh, uh, of humorous horror stories called Bogeyman. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, which was yeah, fun. Bogeyman, yeah. There's not any connection to fungus of Bogeyman, is nah. it? Nah. nah. This is oh, still uh, Scottish, Scottish Bogeyman. And um, he also did Space the, Circus. He also did Magnus. Who? Oh, Magnus. Yeah, the superhero thing. The superhero oh, thing. Yeah. Talking about Two comic creators film. that they work for a publisher and they publish only superheroes and they say, well, I don't know how to do superheroes and they decide, okay, eventually they come across and this character in the street and they thought, this guy looks like a superhero, let's get him as a model and this, it just tells the story, but it's, right. the, yeah, it's, it's a superhero story, but it's actually the, the comic creators trying to make the story. So, um, it's a lot of humor, he, a lot of detail. He draws all that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
not her though. I picked up a four part space circus, which is about a boy who joins a a circus that travels through the galaxy. Mm. You know, even when he's drawing I'd only ever seen him draw, you know, medieval clothed, fantasy clothed people mm -hmm. and mm. you know prince and princesses and stuff like that. <coughs> and, but when he's drawing aliens and uh, oh, spaceships, he's great as well. Yeah, the spa yeah. space is great. He's just yeah. an absolutely fantastic artist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did Sacred um, Agonales, Stumps, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Right. And it does, it's actually... I mean, his <laughs> bodies were Star brilliant. Wars. The bodies were like <laughs> barrels yep. on two thin kind of... Legs that kind of gave way like bamboo. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Kind of, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. So they thought, quite simple feet. I mean, looking at the feet, you're like, oh shit, yeah, that he went, Ooh. yeah, it was done like that. You can tell that he's, he's drawn it quick when you look at the foot. Big nose character. Big nose, but well, the proportion, just beautiful, beautiful. And then uh, a few years ago in Amsterdam, yeah, I picked up that book, which I might have brought in that other time of his, which is just like collections of one page things which might have been collected from mad right um so they were great to read as well was that from lambic no no it was like from a second hand shop in oh, amsterdam right. um and it was a dutch edition but luckily there was under 10 of the pages had any uh, words in mm, right. so the ones that did have words i just ended up looking it up yeah so easy now yeah, there's a couple of Compilations that he also did, and I think Dark Horse has edit, uh, has published them. Is one of them is Action Speaks, right? And then there's a second part, Louder Than Words. Oh, I've got and them. It's all, as well, it's yeah, all different, I've got them as well. Yeah, and it's all different strips, different stories, different themes. Uh, kind of what he did for Matt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, they're, that's they're, that's they're great one. as well. Yeah, yeah I picked really. them up in uh, Black Hole as well. So yes, yeah, it's a good one. But that was my first one, Sergio. Oh, Sergio Aragonés. So, yeah, that's it. Go for Mikey Boy. Well, I, I've, cho I've chosen uh, comics that are sort of like a continuous story, because otherwise I would have had Gary Larson, who does The Far Side, at the top of my list. So, uh, number three, I shall get the well, predictable. Why, why, why couldn't you have Gary Larson? Because I only thought about it now when I was oh, sitting right. here. I thought it's a little bit too late for me to go back and get my no, Far but, Side books. No, but you... Well, I, don't I, was trying, I was trying to book. save myself there the embarrassment of saying, yeah, I forgot all about my number one. Uh, <laughs> well, no, but, <laughs> yeah, but if that's instinctively your number one, you can talk about him anyway. Oh, no, right, but I've just got, edit I've that. Tom, dump it in. Let's start again. <laughs> yes, uh, well, I'm just counting the uh, continuous stories uh, um, ones. Because also there was Jim Davis, who this is 40 years to this day, well, not to this day, but 40 years ago at uh, June, where Jim Davis released the first Garfield. Oh, and uh, I am a month older than uh, Garfield, so uh, Garfield. So I shall uh, wonderful my first one. And this is a celebration of Akira Toriyama mm. and his stories. This later became the biggest selling an uh, manga comic until uh, I think his uh, his pal released the uh, One Piece stories. But these are the ones that would later become the basis for the, the Dragon Ball TV series. 
Um, this is like a celebration of the original series and Dragon Ball Z, but it's not got anything about Dragon Ball Super or the uh, special films. So it's not, this isn't uh, the actual comic itself. This is a celebration of the artwork that appeared on the comic. I really like this picture. This was, uh, this was at the start of um, the final chapter of the original series. Where basically everyone on this page has a grudge against someone else. Mm. Mm. That's the fair martial arts That's arts it. Tournament. Yep. Isn't it? That's yeah. one under the heavens. <laughs> yeah, I don't. So it's uh, what's a what's a good wee um, uh, pictures that were released in a comic called uh, Shohin Jump. Oh yeah. And he would. Uh, he's also a quick worker. Sakira Toriyama did a lot of the uh, the artwork. The lettering, the story, pretty much all of it was his. He did have to hire an assistant at one point. And uh, these days, the, uh, the super is done by another artist, but with uh, uh, Akira Toriyama's um, direction. Mm. And he was really industrialist, because um, it'd be like the Beano. There'd be a, a comic released every week, so people who are uh, contributing to this have to get their story out and uh, yeah. uh, publishable in a, a short amount of time. And we just see the combined volumes, mostly, or a comic with a couple of chapters in there that's released every month. But the story is months in advance. And this did kind of affect the uh, cartoons, because the cartoons have a lot of uh, episodes. Uh, with not that much happening story-wise. And the reason is, is because they're waiting for Akira Toriyama to finish the chapters on the comics before they can move on with the story. Yeah. So they have what they call filler episodes. There's yeah. one enemy on there called Frieza, who the main hero, Goku, who's often voted as Japan's number one anime and manga character in terms of popularity, he fights him for a few chapters in the, the anime, uh, in the uh, in the books, the anime had to do about oh, twenty two or yeah, it was nineteen it was, it was episodes. Like or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, basically it, it ran out to about half a day, uh, all because they were waiting on them to uh, to finish the story. And there's a really popular idea among Japanese school kids, and there it is there. Mm -hmm. When super some cool. of the main characters they go super saiyan, which means they get a power boost and their hair goes blonde. The main reason that happened is because the main characters mostly had black hair and Akira Toriyama was trying to save money on ink. So he came up with an idea of them changing their hair colour. <laughs> just to save ink. And luckily for him, it was amazingly popular. So not only do they do it yeah, in the comics... That's a lot of black ink, isn't it? Yeah, that, they, they do it in the, in, the, in, the in the cartoons now. So quite often at these anime conventions and other comic conventions, you see people walking around with bright yellow wigs. No doubt some of you have probably spotted this before. Mm. And that's them as, uh, as Son Goku. And uh, this character, he's based on uh, the Monkey King from the old Journey to the West stories. Except he's got a sort of pure heart. The Monkey King was mischievous. But Goku, early in the story, is a mischievous boy, falls off a cliff after being adopted by a martial artist, bangs his head, has a scar, but turns into an angel after that. <laughs> Originally, he was the incarnation of the Monkey King, but then the creator wanted to have different areas to fight. So he ended up making Goku an alien called the Saiyan, who are basically hired muscle for advanced civilizations to take over planets. And he has like loads of strength because on his planet, which is called Vegeta, after the term vegetable, he uh, 
Uh, all the sayings are named I'm after. The, they're named after vegetables. So his enemy is called Vegeta Vegetable. Vegeta, Vegeta has a brother called Tarbles, as in Tibble. Um, Goku's name is really Kakarot, as in Carrot. His brother's Raditz, as in Radit, Radish. And there's one called Nappa, who's named after a Chinese cabbage, apparently. He does this quite a lot. Um, uh, the character here, Piccolo, is named after a woodwind instrument. His minions in the original series, was one was called Piano, another was called Tambourine, another one Drum, uh, another one's called Cymbal. Um, in, in Dragon Ball Super, there's a character called Lord Beerus, who's like an Egyptian cat god of death. Who turns out to like chocolates and sweeties? Uh, um, he was—he's meant to be called translated as Bills because his name was supposed to rhyme with virus. Uh, Japanese words as virus was uh, Bills. Akira Toriyama, who created the, who modified the character, thought that this was a play on beer, the drink. So he named the other characters connected to Beerus after drinks. So there's, so there's Whis, as in whiskey. Vados is in vodka and Champa is in champagne. <laughs> so he's got he's got interesting methods and also very rarely does he ever show a villain on their own because he wants the characters to interact. So quite often when he not just villains but heroes as well, when he introduces new characters, they're almost always with another person. So uh, when Piccolo appeared, he had his minion piano who he would talk to. When uh, Vegeta was there, he had Nappa with him. When Yamcha was there, he had a shape-shifting cat called Purar, who's able to float magically in the air. Uh, there's a lot of outrageous characters. Dinosaurs often appear in there as if no extinction ever happened. And Look at that, the Christmas. Yeah. So there's, Christmas there's lots of brilliant pictures in that book. So that's why Akira Toriyama is one of my, my favourites. But as I say, he's third on the list. He's ahead of the honourable mention, but there's two other people who I'll keep you guys <laughs> guessing. And, and the other main guy who, who <laughs> you, you are, decided not to be actually is number one. Uh, my apologies to Gary Larson. Yes. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> it's only Gary Larson, you know. Well, I was saying to Mike and uh, Nando before, before everybody else arrived that I uh, found it very hard to pick my three. So eventually settled on what three creators I would jump at the chance to get their newest project. So if it was announced that somebody, this certain person was going to be doing something else, I'd be right on it straight away. Is, is everybody still alive or is it a case of like... I think so. Okay, I'm so not it's not just a case sure about... of like, I wish so-and-so was still alive so I could have... It's like some people working now. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, one of them doesn't work anymore. But I, if you did do something else, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Um, one, of the, one of them, I'm actually I'm saying I'm, I think so, because I, I wouldn't be able to tell if he was alive or dead, to be honest, because okay. he's so much out of the public eye. Um, but my first one is, is Derf Bagdad. Oh, Introduced to me by our very own David over here, um, which because I didn't actually know about him until he brought trash along or something. Um, but Derf is one of the single creators that have made me both intrigued and terrified all at the same time. Uh, I have said it before, but my friend Dahmer gave me nightmares for about a week and a half. Um, 
from the way that he describes them and draws them. And they're coming to get me. Wow. Um, <laughs> what? What? Was that a comic? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I like one of those birthday cards that opens yeah. up. Yeah. That's uh, a. coming to get you. That's my. Uh, that's my text. Um, but just the way that he draws Dahmer's like deadpan eyes. He usually doesn't draw the eyes a lot of the time. It's just the glasses and. This sort of menacing look that he draws on with, I imagined him like that standing at the end of the bed a lot of the time. Um, it was really creepy. But he's just got such a good way of explaining things and a really detailed way of drawing them. And mm. I like his really unique sort of cartoon style and whatnot. It's, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, I really, really rate this guy so, so highly. And Trashed was just amazing because my dad actually worked on um, Ben Lorries. And this is to do more with the US, but it's the same basic principle. It's around the same sort of time that I wouldn't know them being on the Ben Lorries as well. Um, and there's just sort of tidbits. Done a short stint, three weeks. Yep. Once, <laughs> oh, you uh, said that before. In the university, uh, between, you know, in summer between years. But there's. Um, well, good. There's like short, short bits of information in amongst there as well of like how. Uh, the trash system works and uh, uh, how your rubbish is distributed and disposed of and everything. I'm trying to find the actual page. There's a, there's a whole bit that tells you like how many diapers there is in a home mm. and stuff like that by illustrating it. But look at the detail mm. in that. It's absolutely incredible. Um, but there's also the whole story going throughout it about these guys in their summer job. Uh, um, working as trash guys but he's done he's done a it's just the, the amount of detail in some of these are just unbelievable but the 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 actual characters they're all sort of that lanky knobbly sort of thing going on um yeah big fan big well, big fan definitely highly rated Derf. he's got a whole series called is it trailer trailer parks and punk rock or punk rock mm. and trailer parks i've yeah. still to read yeah. and uh, he does a, a sort of weekly comic called The City um, which is really good um, but I, I, if his name pops up saying Death Back Death new book straight on pre-order it'll be right in there he's done a, he's done a couple of pictures of the Ramones as well because um, he was into the big punk rock scene um, of that time and his Joey Ramone just looks incredible looks absolutely incredible so yeah that's Death for me very good. Second oh, choice of comic creator. <laughs> so I went for this time one of oh, my teams, and it's Jean Giraud Moebius. A master, unfortunately, is not with us anymore. No. But an absolute master of the art, so European nice. comic. And I brought three different books, different times. One of them is uh, Adventures of Lieutenant Blueberry. Yeah. A huge, huge, big, big series in Europe. Um, it did about 30-odd issues of it, albums. It's Western. Uh, this is from early 70s, this one in particular. Would, would that be the mind of the lost German? Uh, actually, the Dutch. Yeah, the lost German, but in English is is actually 
instead of German, they put Dutch for some reason. Oh, right. So the English oh, so version is... But, but the original <laughs> is German. Yeah. Because uh, Les mains de l'allemand perdu. Uh, so it's actually in, in French is German. Well. German. I don't know why. I don't know exactly don't why or what. In, in the English version, but some of them have been published in English. Mm -hmm. uh, this story and a few others uh, kind of follow this story, but the rest, I believe, is not been published in English yet. And it's a classic in Europe, mm -hmm. and Spain, in Italy, France, mm -hmm. Belgium. These have been published, still selling lots. Mm -hmm. They've done lots of editions. And it's a fantastic uh, Western story. They're definitely missing a trick. And he, that, this is where um, Giraud started um, as a full artist and he made a name with this. And the scripts were done by Charlier, which is a different guy who used to do the scripts, he did the art. Later on in the series, Giro does the scripts as well. Um, that's when you sent me, isn't it? This is what, yeah, that's yeah, the other yeah, one because yeah. I found it digitally. It's, it's, still, still haven't figured out what they're saying, but I love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good. So the style in this one, there's lots of detail. It's follow more of a classic artist mm -hmm. of Europe of the late 60s and early 70s. Yep. Oh, that reminds me of Charles Bronson in uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Mm. That that yeah, just like that. Well, allegedly he used the face of Jean-Paul Belmondo as the face for Lieutenant Blueberry. Yeah. Allegedly. There's certain similarities. He's a, a French actor. Um, but yeah, this is a classic um, Giro that probably a lot of people have seen in the UK. Because what we know is more the, the style yeah, from the... Yeah, I was going to say science fiction is what yes. he's kind of known for over here. Yes, yeah. but at that time he was Jean Giraud. And then at some point in his career he decided to go into science fiction. And he did a lot of strips in science fiction. And the style is different because the line is much clearer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's no much hatching comparison. I've read that yeah, bought in Amsterdam and not read that and yet. Have you this, read it? And he he called himself Mobius, and this one. Yeah. Um, this is the Incal, which is another one of these books that anyone should read. Classical science fiction, classical European comics. I think even a script is by this crazy man, man called Jodorowsky, mm -hmm. the Chilean mm -hmm. cinematographer, oh, writer. Yeah. It's an absolute genius, this guy. So many ideas. I think when he went uh, Mobius as well, he he started drawing a lot more kind of erotic, um, like figures and stuff as well. They just looked a lot more erotic compared to like the blueberry stuff. Well, with the blueberry, well. he kept it always in the western yeah. and kind of more, let's call it PG. Uh, whereas when he was going to science fiction, he he was going towards the adult readership. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, uh, you, you so can tell it's a lot of like phallic figures and there's a lot of breasts yeah. and you know well, Jodorowsky also, also a, a creator fan, that he? he's a fan he, he, he uses a lot of sexual imagery right. uh, and elements put into the story not necessarily has to be all explicit there yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it is very much oh no it's not and 
I, don't, I wouldn't say it was like full on explicit. It's it's done. No, no, I, I think it's done is, tastefully, yeah. definitely. But it's it is a case of like you can tell. And then the third book I brought for him was he did a comic with Stan Lee and his Silver Surfer. Nice. He did Silver Surfer. He did Silver Surfer, yeah, with Stanley. Nice. Stanley mm-hmm. then part of the script, and maybe just did the art. A one, a one off. A one off, yeah, a one off. Um, and he did his version of Silver Surfer and Galactus, and there's yeah. some notes at the back. Is that this is a really nice book? There's a lot of details and oh, things. Hang on, what version? Making off. The DC version. His own version oh, of right. Galactus and Silver Surfer, but that's a, that's a great one. Um, was it Definitive Silver Surfer book that I got and I had a lot of this I was the platinum yeah, that's edition and that's one of the that's yeah that was a great collection it's, it's, but that one the Spanish that one when they published that they put, they put a lot of stuff at the back yeah that's nice okay. how they it was good. produced the, 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 the colouring does the he design. do the lettering as well so yeah they did a lot of to me my board he always says that doesn't he to me my board so yeah, Mabius or Genjiro or Jiro, um, fantastic, yeah. great stuff. Next, well, next one, Dave, must be... Go, Davey boy. Yeah, okay. must be sitting. This reminds me of heavy metal, this one. Yeah, it was Polish uh, and metal, and heavy metal and things like that, yeah. I, 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 I would openly get that tattooed. That is fantastic. Look at that. That'll, that'll be on your back. That's beautiful. Mixed on your ass. That'll be, that'll be an arm. On your cheek. Yeah, that's a, that's a show-off piece right there. The Galactus is always watching you. That's gorgeous. Fuck me. <laughs> that's amazing. Right, my next one is... Uh, I chose Mary Fleener. Mary Fleener. This is the uh, 90s again, I think, in the Zongo comics, which is part of the Bongo Mac. Greening Empire. Oh yeah. Ah. Um, so Mary Fleener, that came up, and she's got, she's got not two different styles, but because she's always got this kind of mad, cheapest mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. stuff going on, which I, I really liked as soon as I saw it, you know, and her stories are funny. They're autobiographical stuff, and it's. It's like sex, you know, and rock and roll, just, yeah, you know, she's pissed off at people and they're funny, but it's, it's a, she's honest about problems and all that, you know, so it's very involving and she'll throw herself in the same style and then when she gets really angry, you know, her face will get more and more you know, shapes and triangles and all that. So I've just I just liked the style right away. I liked what the stories were about. I mean, yeah, look look at this guy here. What? What? So it's you get the you feel the tension. And I just like the style. Um so this is like she did a she did a, a series called Slot Burger. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I you know that I've one. heard of that one, yeah. What's it called? Slot Burger. And I thought, man, what a title. I remember I saw that. I had, so I had to see what that was about, you know? And that this that was like similar to this one. Like what is it about? So that has a bit of Fernandez Brothers, has a bit of... Look at that. Turn off that jungle music. Is that a British it's, one? No, this is... Uh, this is uh, American as well. So she's... 
Yeah, and there's like, oh, look, look, look at this, look at the picture, of the, the mad sex picture there, look. It's electric, man. And look, great, I, I, I like it, I think it's really... It's like Picasso. Yeah, very arty, but very funny. And then she's got this other series called Fleener, and this is more like little cartoon characters, and there's like fruit and all that, that have <laughs> got little stories and... It's really Ooh. nice, but a bit more cartoony. And what was that back there? Was that like panels? But yeah, like a, like a game. Like a game in the middle. So she's, nice. again, she's brilliant. And uh, yeah, there you go. See what you make of that. Nice. I always thought she was great, Mary Fleener. Like that. Can't, so, can't wait, can we go back to this Zondo no, Bongo thing? So yeah. I, the Bongo comics imprint I know of yeah. The Simpsons. I didn't realise, mm. so Zongo then was what, like an adult? Zongo is more when he's, I guess, what would you like say? Like an adult indie imprint? Or? Yeah, you know, it's not going to maybe sell as much as the, the Simpsons comics or whatever. Is it like the vertical version? Like uh, yeah, DC it's an imprint vertical. that's a more, more arty, more... Mm. Not Gary Panter as well, he's brilliant as well. He had a Zongo comic. So do so does Bongo's only do lots of stuff then other than just I've only I think I just read that they're stopping Simpson comics altogether. Uh-huh. They're stopping publishing them, and I thought, well, that's actually a really big blow. What? That's a big blow for comics. Yeah, it is because a lot of kids get into comics with the Simpsons yeah. comics. W. Smith is selling loads of them still. Yeah, well, I think in America they're pulling the plug. That was some of the first comics I had was yeah. the Simpsons stuff. Well, they were good. Yeah, They were actually well done as well. They're, they're one of the very few ones that you can still buy in the shops. Yeah, now. yeah, and they go like hotcakes, man. They're, mm-hmm. they're always getting borrowed in the libraries as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Simpsons. Simpsons mm-hmm. comics. I used to always make some comics. Well, it's the thing that, you know, whenever, like, the comics and somebody comes in, you're kind of having to explain it and all that. But as soon as you get hold up to anybody, a Simpsons comic, they, they get, oh, they know what that is. Yeah. So they'll, they'll try it, you know. Thanks. That's true. So, what do you reckon to Mary Fleener on first look? That's all right. Like, I, all like right. It. I like the ink inside. It's not a style of comics that maybe I would <clears throat> super be right. into. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know, but it's like, if we Well, that, that one's different than that, that. They're both quite different. Different I, style of story. I ain't hating, I'm appreciating, I'm just... <laughs> 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 but I didn't, I really think, oh yeah, I've got to get a copy of this when I go home yeah, okay. and, and read it. Unfortunately. I understand. Have a look at that one. I thought you were going to try and convert just, me to Just shit all over my favourites. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pretend I've been the offer of If I was shitting out all over your favourites, you would know about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. No, it's too far. So, yeah, you can take it. Okay, it's so right. this is like, I don't know, you is can't. it cheap? You can take she it, man. changes her style so often. So I'll see one panel be like, like this, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a bit too art. This is too, too art for me. Like, too art. Like once it gets too painted, once it gets too much like a piece of art you would see on a wall, I start to disconnect. I think I'm very like Mm -hmm. boring in that my comics need to look a certain way. They need to have inks and like paints are something that like once something starts to get super painted, I'm just like, "Mm," I start to lose interest in it. It needs to be a certain ways of storytelling for me to be like, yeah, I can read this. I can read this for days. So you think that's getting a bit 
too far out with the story on, on that. I don't know, I guess it part. makes me, once it gets to a certain level, I find it kind of freezes and it's less like a sequential oh. sort of you read onto it. Mm. It's more like just look at this one yeah. nice panel. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes Bill Sienkiewicz's mm-hmm. work, which I quite like his covers a lot. Yeah. But when it's like you read Electra, I mean, it doesn't help as well. Electra is a garbage script, but like the artwork. Well, sorry, so, sorry yeah. to any Electra fans. <laughs> but like, like Electra is a garbage script and a garbage character. You can quote me on it. But um, <laughs> but uh, once it, get, it gets quite painted, I find it really hard to kind of get myself to read in it. See, yeah. I don't, this is all on me. This is not on Mary Fleener. This is on me being, you know, my brain working with... I agree with you with Bill Sankiewicz, for yeah. example, and on that case in particular as well. Uh, when some artists that try, which are really good artists, yeah. they are really good artists, but for example with Bill Sankiewicz, as you were mm-hmm. mentioning, he's a tremendous artist, he knows his techniques very, very well, he experiments a lot with the page, but as sequence, as a storytelling, he fails on to guide you uh, mm. through the page mm. as a comic um, mm. I think yeah uh, I, I, it makes it difficult um, from that point of view mm. I think it does yeah so because Electra is all over the place from page to page it's just yes. it's chaotic that's not how it's from me that's how it's going yeah, but, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're right into the story. That's just. But yeah, yeah. I understand yeah. that, that when you go into the art and you're trying to to experimental, then yeah. you're gonna lose no. a little bit. Well, at the end of the day, it's a comic, so you still want to tell the story. And if you are failing to do that, yeah. then something yeah. is not going on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The art is really good. You're showing the techniques there really well, but there's no fluidity. Mm. I don't the story, care at all. There's no storytelling. So, at all. No, I'm not saying that's the case, but like, I can see where is that coming from. So and then, for example, it's when she goes kind of cubist. So it's well, like it's like it's not every panel. I'll be like this. I'll be no, like that's, that's fine. That's, that's a comic. Standard, that's a comic. Yeah. That's great. And then she'll have a panel where she'll do the cubist stuff, and I'll yeah. be like, oh wait, am I reading a comic? Oh, but, am I looking at a picture? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and there, yeah. I'm looking at it, and I can see, you know, Hernandez Brothers. I can see mm-hmm. some uh-huh. um, um, Peter Bag. Yeah, but then yeah, I can see, yeah, yeah. I can see, you know, abstract and mm-hmm. styles inspired on Picasso, etc. So that's my number two. Mary Fleener. One, one of the greats, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> right. The you're going to have to pull out of the right. bag now, Olivia. Right. <laughs> okay, well, now you're going to have to, you have to bring something, big guns. Bring the yeah, I mean, right here. bigger well, style, you can Okay, I'm gonna bring. So I saw this comic. I was in. I was at Blue Bubble, which I love. And across the way, I saw this cover. I was walking by, and I just saw yes. this, and I just ran over immediately. And Katie Skelly was there, and I was like, "This is amazing! How much is the comic?" She told me how much, and I ran back to get my money. Ran back and was like, "I need this comic now in my life." And the reason, I mean, also some of the reasons why I picked the people I picked today was because they linked back to other people who I really liked and. So the reason why this attracted me so much was because it reminded me of John Claude Fauré, who does Fauré, who does Barbarella. Mm-hmm. It reminded me so much of the Barbarella comic book from the '60s, which is I love Barbarella. It's one of my all-time just favorite things that's ever happened. And just people say it's kind of very shoujo man- manga as well, which I I guess I see less of because I'm not I don't read a lot of manga, but definitely I just I get that sort of bond is John Paul Foray's 60s art. Ooh. It's all, she's very inspired by sort of like mm. 60s exploitation horror films. 
and sort of like I, if anyone saw a love witch recently I think that's like a really good sort of allegory to like sort of stuff she's into so it's, it's about a vampire the plots it's the plot's very simple like it's not about plot it's all about style like yeah. which is kind of why I like it. it's lots of silence the way she uses colors is just so sim- it is deceptively simple it's but the whole way she draws, like, once I read this, I sat home and tried to change my entire art style to draw like this. And I gave up, as you could, as people could tell. But um, I just wanted to do this, because I thought this was, this was great. Uh, the story is she's a vampire. And she, that's it, she's a vampire. She's been kept by, like, her brother or maybe her boyfriend. And she kind of escapes and goes on this sort of bender of, like, trying to feed on people she ends up in like sort of a cocaine 60s party and kills everybody and it's and it's like people are hunting her it's just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but it doesn't have to because it's so beautiful it's battery yeah it looks good i'm waiting for you to say something like mm, i don't know looks a bit like it. <laughs> <laughs> is it as good as mary um I she also did another one which I don't have with me because I lent it to someone called The Agency she just released which is a series of like erotic sort of comics web comics that she'd done previously and I will say about that that it was like she did a plot she wanted to do sort of pornographic stuff that had a plot and I felt like the plot she should maybe not have done because it mm. made no sense and I was, I was like what is the plot? <laughs> like the plot was kept going I was like this is this is a plot, but I don't like this plot. I would rather you just had stuck to what you wanted to do and not try to put a plot on this. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of, again, it was kind of fun and weird and kooky. There's a bit where she isn't, there's like an agent and she's flying through space and she pulls into a spaceship and Spider-Man's flying the spaceship and then she and Spider-Man hook up. And it's like, <laughs> um, but I, I just, I just love her art so much. I think anything she does, I will throw money at it. So like, if you were like, oh, it's a, sort of a series of erotic comics about whatever the agency is about. I, and it wasn't by Katie Skelly, I would have been like, I don't know, not for me. But for Katie Skelly, I ran out with my money, bought it, it was overpriced in Glasgow, Vivian Ooh, Planet, and was yeah. like, ah, totally a bargain. Just her artwork, it's mm. fantastic. Nice. And yeah, that's it. Looks I think it is kind of that whole style of sort of those horror movies where mm. the look of it is so much more important than what the actual plot is and the yeah. plot doesn't really ever make any sense or go anywhere mm-hmm. and she kind of 100% is always challenging challenge that sort of vibe but mm. it's just great that's it that's all I've got to say about it it's great there's a similar <clears throat> there's a similar style to um, uh, an Avery Hill um, artist uh, Charlo Freed did a book Goat Herded it's uh, very similar in sort of style, very sort of manga influenced um, sort of thing. But this is really, really nice. This has got a more ca- sort of cartoony feel to it. NG man. Yeah. To be honest, I was only thinking about them. I'd, I'd been thinking the past few days, so it's a bit of a rush job. But one that came to mind, even though I've probably not read most of his stuff, uh I've probably read some of his Sandman stuff and Hellblazer stuff, but it was Brian Talbot. Mm. Uh, I think the first thing I read by is that I knew it was him was Tale of the One Bad Rat, which I really loved. I remember reading that on a coach journey Mm. somewhere. So I really enjoyed that. I thought, oh, who's this fella? Who's this Brian Talbot fella? Then went to the library and picked up like a Granville or two. 
and then borrowed that last Granville off you. Mm, yeah, um, he's almost he almost made it to my list as well, but you only just missed out, I'm afraid. So good thing you've mentioned them. Yeah, uh, but mainly remembering for Granville. Yeah, but he, when I was looking him up today, yeah, apparently he has done done some Sandman stuff and Hellblazer and stuff, which I think I've read given the issue numbers mm-hmm. but it doesn't kind of stick out it was like alright Brian so but Granville well yeah what he did uh, Granville besides it's fucking Bob on I, I <laughs> love that story I yeah. love Granville and that last the last outing with the guy with his his mentor what was his name oh, oh uh, Hawksmore yeah I Still so want a spin-off with him. Because it, he writes and draws, <laughs> he's doesn't he? Yeah. He's but his wife uh, helps out as well. Brilliant. The artwork yeah. and everything. Everything about it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Have you read The Adventures of Luther Arkwright? No. Tablet. That's, that's really good. Right. And that's science fiction. Yeah, because when I was seeing all that's the bibliography, really I was like, oh, fuck, I've only read about that. 2%. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah. So Brian Talbot was uh, my second one. I've not read that um Alice in Sunderland. I, I wouldn't have minded uh, Regan that. Yeah. Uh, I've not read that, but uh, I'm sure I've read other graphic novels of his. Have you read Daughter, but, is it Daughter of Alpha? Yeah. No. I've seen I read his the Mary Talbot stuff. Right. So I read the mm. Suffragette one which he did the mm. layouts for, mm-hmm. but he didn't yeah. draw Kate uh, Charlesworth. Kate Charles would draw it. That's about it. Hey, Mike. Number two. I've got the suffragette one. Well, you do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Still haven't finished reading that. It's like a history book. It's so dense with the footnotes. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing is, the interesting thing is that the main character, this is just like on the last King of Scotland film, the main character's fictional, but everything that happens to her happened to people in real life like in uh, Last King of Scotland it was centred around uh, uh, James McAvoy's character he didn't exist but all these incidents happened to separate people so they made them out as a Edie and Ian yes now my uh, second choice and strictly speaking this is really two people it's quite a controversial one because one person got the credit and the other person didn't get the credit until mm. very, very recently. Uh, this is some of their <laughs> earliest work, and it's got my favourite comic book villain of all time uh, in here. Oh. This is the uh, very, very first appearance of the Penguin. Well done. Nice. I'm so glad you know about that. And it's quite funny, because you think of Batman now as being a hardened... Oh. Criminal bashing person. The kept crusader. Yeah. And this is this is odd though. You think Bruce Wayne himself is like a symbol of justice and his very first glimpse of the penguin, mm. uh, Dick sees this odd looking man and Bruce says to him, Let's go back. You really must not you really must learn not to laugh at people or things just because they may be air odd looking. But Bruce, look for yourself. And Bruce goes, ha ha, he does look like a penguin at that. <laughs> there we go. And then for the rest <laughs> of the <laughs> the rest of the story, the penguins got made fun of. But of course. He looks he turns, like a fucking penguin. He turns out to be the most competent villain he's had for a while. 
He kills uh, a gang lord, takes his fortune, takes his gang, mm. and then this is when he first meets Batman. Now, Batman breaks into a museum, beats up the Penguin's men. What he does is he picks up this valuable painting, priceless, yeah. Yeah. smashes it over the heads of the villains. <laughs> they, their heads just so happen to appear where the heads of the pictures are. Mm -hmm. And then to add insult to injury, Batman punches them when he can't move. Oh, there you go. Fatter. <laughs> And then Whoa. the penguin walks in and pretty much puts him in his place. He says, what have you done to my poor men? Ah, oh, well, I knew we'd have to meet someday. And Batman says, so it's you. Better say your prayers now, funny face. <laughs> the, the penguin, uh, after taking his bout of prejudice because of his appearance, <laughs> knocks Batman out and frames him. So who is... Yeah, ah, you're yes, I, I kind of I got distracted with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Bob Kane is ah. the guy that was credited, but Bill Finger is the guy who did yeah. the uh, a, a hell of a lot of the work. Um, but there's one little Never thing Never heard here. of uh, who, who? Bill Finger. Bill Finger. Finger, yeah. yep. Pun coming. Yes, but he, <laughs> he was... He's basically... <laughs> that's how you spell it, except with the yeah. S. Uh, is that it? <laughs> he's... He, he, he's the writer. So basically. how did he get? He uh, Here we go. How did he, what happened? How well, come it's only come to? Batman. How come it's only come yeah. to light recently? Yeah. What happened is Bokane. He 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 created some comics earlier on, and it wasn't really that successful. And with the success of Superman, he decided, yeah, I'm gonna do a comic. I have to come across with something that is gonna work. It can and allegedly be linked with the idea of Batman. It actually was Bill Finger that I was working with him. He gave it a lot of suggestions, changed a lot of the design. Mm, right, right. Um, the character that Bill, uh, the Bob King came as Batman is nothing to do with the Batman that we know. No, the Batman that we know comes from Bill, Bill Finger. Mm -hmm. The day that Bob King went to DC, or at that time it was National Comics, to say, I got this new series, it's Batman. It was the day that needed to be written down. So he came with a lawyer because mum and dad knew what to do with a lawyer. Yeah. And they put everything under the name and the only name as a creator of Bob King. And Bean Finger got shot. Fuck yeah. Bean Finger did not find out about that until much, much later. He was still working very hard and doing practically 90% of the comics. Bob Kane was only doing some Why illustrations. Why not, at that point, were they not writing created by Bob Kane in the comics at the start? Bob Kane would put everything created by Bob Kane mm. and every single comic published as Bama was created but by Bob Kane. But that's what I'm saying. Isn't Finger seeing that with every issue that's coming out? That he didn't saw Kane? that. He didn't, he didn't saw that in the comics, and but he didn't do very much about it. Mm. And he couldn't do very much because legally... Oh, I feel sorry for Bill Finger, fella. Legally, it was the money. Yeah. Bill Finger needed the money. He was a hard worker, but he wasn't very good with finance. Yeah. And when Bob Kane, there were a whole team of lawyers. Some the family was behind, and it was until recent years, because of the family of Bill Finger and other comic creators supporting the family mm. of Bill Finger, they put forward a case, and eventually has been recognized as co-creator of Batman. Yeah. But that's only a thing. That's recently. very, very yeah. recently. That was very, very recently. recently yeah. Take in consideration that it was... So, so recently that everyone really only really knows it as Bob Kane, don't yeah, they? Yeah. My, uh, my second one, um, another sort of um, one for style um, more than story, but just purely because these stories are so weird and out there, 
is uh, Daniel Klaus. Um, now, I just can't get over how weird and fucked up Daniel Klaus's head must be with some of the stories that he puts out, um, especially with David Boring um, just being so... Oh, I don't know, it just totally freaks me out reading it, but my God, is it so incredibly detailed. And even down to the, the story itself, it's very wordy. A lot of it is very, very wordy. Um, and it's got these weird kind of trippy moments and amongst it and everything. And yeah, it's just like a, it's just strange and incestuous and just weird overall. I just love it. <laughs> I think Klaus has just such a strange style that that borders on almost. Is um, he a bit of a deviant? I've never actually seen bit of a closet deviant. I've never actually seen Klaus's. Face. Well, I don't know if you can tell from his face. Right, okay. Does he look like he's got a bit confused? I kind of imagine him as a bit of like an older Damon from the space, not to cast any aspersions on Damon's character. Right, okay. But that's sort of the sort of the beard, the sort of shape, close shaved hair. It's funny because he's totally changed. When I think of him, it's like he's this guy with dark hair, but then then I have to go, no, wait a minute, that was decades ago. He's he's like bald now, and he's got this white beard. Am I right in thinking that's what he looks like? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, he's. I I think he's kind of. He's like a more soft. Yeah. He's like a more soft version of um, Charles Burns. Mm -hmm. So Charles Burns is yeah. like really like really dark, and a lot of the a lot of the themes and everything are really quite dark and quite fucked up and just a bit just a bit odd. Whereas he kind of still borders on like almost believable with a lot of the stuff that he's got, but it can still be kind of trippy and out there. And yeah, I, I really enjoy it and the humor and and some of the quick one-liners that the characters come out with and whatnot. And, yeah, it's just it's totally strange as anything, but I love it. I absolutely love it, and that's why I'm I'm quick to kind of go to it as well, is because it's just it's just surreal. It's really strange, but the detail that goes into making this work is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. And I, I think it's sort of second to only one other person. Yeah, <laughs> but he's just he's got an incredible. Um, He's just got he's got an incredible sort of approach to the to the work and stuff as well. well like, I do love his like his inking and just mm -hmm. how it looks. Yeah. It's just because he can do like majorly detailed characters and really realistic, and then he's got these kind of weird like cartoony characters mm -hmm. that he does and stuff, stuff as well. Because the the Wilson strips are all totally different. I'm gonna have to do this, and then I'm gonna have to go because oh, okay. Diamond is running for me. Okay. Unfortunately, remember but, your honourable mention. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you, yeah. you have to make it up as you're going. My oh, honorable yeah. mention, yeah. That's fine. Right, number three, and no then yeah, So that's my third one, and this is from my adulthood, and oh. it has to be Paco Roca. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I brought some of the books previously here. Um, so Paco Roca, and I bought a third one when I was in Menorca. Um, he is just in Spain. And also in France, uh, one of the number one artists, creators, uh, this one, uh, Wrinkles, mm -hmm. has been published in English. Yes. Um, and in this one is a tale about essentially people who are suffering from Alzheimer's, and the loss of memory, and the loss of their life. 
and how that pain goes through their families. It's a wonderful book, although it treats a very difficult and very sad story, but this is a magnificent. Um, this one here, El Invierno del Dibujante, which I think they're trying to publish this in English. Are they actually? But there's nothing concrete just yet. Um, the winters artists or the artists, artists etc. And they tell the story about a group of artists in Spain in the 50s that they decided to leave the main publisher and create their own comic magazine. Um, sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. I'm not talking about image, I'm talking about bunch of guys in, in is it based on a true story mm -hmm. yes and all the characters and it's all based in true story all the characters all the artists that appear and they're mentioned here are artists that i read comics when i was a child in spain and some of them are still working mm -hmm. a few of them have died unfortunately but i'm still not going to recognition and the last one which i bought in spain this one and that i found that really, really good and i find that actually has won many awards in spain in France, it's right. called Los, Sur uh, Los Surcos de Lazar. In France, it's called La Novena, mm. La Nueve, and it's based on the true story of the Spanish soldiers that they fought in the Second World War. Okay. Uh, it transpired something I didn't know, that actually the first Allied troops that arrived to Paris and liberated Paris in the Second World from the Germans actually were Spanish. It was a division of the French uh, Liberation Army. They were wearing American uniforms, but they were all Spanish soldiers that escaped the, the detachment of Franco, the Civil War, and they fought for the Allies. And I've done some research and I've been looking into it. I've seen photographs and the vehicles they call half tracks, which is the vehicles that they use, which is kind of um, like a tank. Part of it is like a tank at the back, and the front is a normal wheel. They have names of Spanish cities. Um, and some of them actually has the Republican Spanish flag on it. It's a tremendous story, because half of the book is about Paco Roca going to France to interview one of the soldiers from this division that is still alive, which is allegedly this one in the photo and the other part of the book is the actual history of it so some of it is drawn in a color there's color in it and there's more detail mm, the count seems, and yeah. then the other half of the book is drawn in a mm -hmm. black and white more simplified yeah and and then you're reading through and you're thinking well i didn't know anything about it as i was reading the book so what's true, what's not, what's real, what's fiction? It inspires that the vast majority of the color stuff here, that's the, 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 the true story. And this was invented. The, the man that he interviews actually, we have a name, but a, he disappeared. And he built all that story in order to connect, and to connect to actual true history of uh, 
Alright, so he doesn't go to interview someone, that's just a med, that's a plot. It's so. a tool that he uses in order to introduce right. to us, to the bit of history, right, that a lot nice. of people doesn't know. So it could be feasible, this, could it, that he went the to... Cover, the cover, there's a photograph, if you look in Google and you put La Novena and the Liberation of Paris, there's a photograph of 100 and old soldiers sitting, and it's this. Mm. By Paco Roca, he's done many, many, many... Uh, works has won many awards. He actually he was more famous in France first years ago, and then eventually he was known in Spain. And now in Spain is is the god of comics. Mm -hmm. Is independent. Now he, they've got a king they can idolize. That's he's gone and done the hard work elsewhere. The, one of the most recent works he's done yes. is with a a singer from a pop rock band from Spain. And they've done a, a work of how to create a comic and also songs, and they are all linked. The songs, because the book comes with a CD with music, oh. so the songs are linked to the stories in the comic, and then vice versa, the stories in the comic, oh, that's cool. you can hear some of the stuff in the songs. Uh, so really there's good. no way, a direct correlation, but there's themes going through and connections yeah. it's sort of an experiment like they wanted to do the artist Paco Roca and the singer as well that's cool so you have to send me who that is because that's yeah that sounds amazing it just came out in Spain not long ago um, and um, when I'm going to Madrid in October there's another book I want to get from him which he is it's called Chronicles of a Man in Pyjamas <laughs> that's the translation of it mm. and it's a strip that he did for a Spanish newspaper, mm -hmm. um, a regional newspaper in Valencia, of just daily occurrences that he decided happened to him or he wanted to reflect in a comic. So, again, completely different stuff. Yeah. But again, same sort of art and a little bit of humor added to it. So I want to get yes. that one as well. Cool. So obviously I'll bring it next time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But yes, yeah, to me, I discovered Paco Roca a few years ago. It was my friend Tony from Menorca who introduced me said you need to you need to read this yeah. and you need to read this so i got these books and and then i, I just fell in love with uh, with mm. the story with with the art it's just everything yeah. how does this translate <laughs> los surcos del azar the title comes from a poem uh, from a poet antonio machado who died um after the the civil war in spain right yeah. after he escaped spain he managed to cross the border to France, and then when the civil war finished in Spain in 1939, the French kicked the Spanish um, refugees out of France, and then he died there. And many of them were essentially fusilated or killed, yeah. or, or because they were socialists or communists or oh. were left thinkers or they didn't agree with the fascists. Well, what does it mean? Los surcos del azar is uh, the rats of rats as, oh, as you surco, yeah, yeah. and you make on the ground yeah. uh, of destiny. So any uh, any honourable mentions? Well, it has to be Dakiri. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be. Yes. Um, I didn't go for him because we already did Dakiri yep. topic and yeah, 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 yeah. like that. And it's kind it of it's kind of implied. Yeah. Uh, like and obviously, Alan Moore. 
Yeah. Oh, Alan Moore. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you, the list can go and go and go. That's... But I decided to go for three. And I said, well, I'm going to start with three. And I'm going to start with mm -hmm. one from my childhood. One thing. Yeah, and now I'm going to say so. Now I'm glad you brought kind of... some, uh, some home talent. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's... In all fairness, I would say that's almost the uh, the, whole, the holy trinity is uh, Alan Moore, um, uh, Jack Kirby, and uh, Mobius. I would say would probably be the holy trinity. Yes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's at least at least of this uh, this group anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Cool. You have to excuse me, guys. Okay. I need to shoot. Right, sorry about that. No, no. See you next time. That's the proxy, man. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll manage. We'll manage. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. right. See you later. See ya. Yeah. Number three, sir. Let's okay, do it. I'm going back to childhood here. Oh, so you've worked backwards. Reading. Uh, Reading Star Wars. Star oh, Wars. It's always oh. the, we are we're always right. back to that, aren't we? And uh, and they had great artists on Star Wars: Howard Chagan, Mike Golden, all these people. Mm -hmm. But then when they did the Empire comic, they brought in from the EC comics of the nineteen fifties Al Williamson, yes. uh, and he was the youngest guy working at EC back in the fifties. So by the time you get to here, he's maybe in his late 40s, early 50s, still working in comics. But he's, uh, George Lucas was growing up reading all the, the EC science fiction comics, so he kind of, he went get a Williamson. Oh, he wanted right. a Williamson to draw it, you know. So, and then this was, um, I mean, this this was republished like, in Britain. I like the look of it. You know, like in the Red Dealer Weekly comic. Uh, and in fact, in the, in the British one, it's all black and white, so it's even more clear mm -hmm. than, than in... You know, the amount of work he puts in, and then they print it, like, it's on toilet paper, and it's all smudged. Yeah, the, the colours You know, it's terrible. You've got, you've got the art yeah. of the yeah. guitar, don't you? Yeah. 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 What? Yeah. what? Years later, they brought out, uh, you know, these artist art, editions, editions oh, where okay. they scan the, the, yeah. big, the, the uh, pencils and the ink work. So, I've got, yeah, they had the whole adaptation of this in the originals. Is it not uh, all kind of pasted together though? Like they're missing some pages. Oh yeah, and stuff. it's got it's got overlays on it for effects, and, mm -hmm. and you can see all the tip X and the yeah. getting them. Oh, it's great! I just sit and slaver over it sometimes. Did you not say it was missing some pages? Because some of them obviously at that time would yeah, have just been. Well, the odd thing about it is that it's all there. Oh, is it? All oh, right, okay. In the Empire one, and that's odd. That to me makes me think George Lucas bought all the artwork or something, right. kept it safe, because Marvel wouldn't keep anything safe. You know, they just had it all as co-stars and had it and giving it away to people. Maybe it was Hamill. Because the the original, the the first one, they didn't they did the the first adaptation. They did an archive edition as well, and I've got that, but that's like most of that's missing in the book. So they've got. So it's odd. Somebody has valued this in nineteen eighty, bought it, kept it safe. Uh, so it was odd. But Jedi, they didn't. No. I don't think that's not there. But anyway, this was mind blowing to me. I mean, especially I remember like scenes like this were tremendous. You know. Ah, great oh, that Captain Universe. Steve Ditko. I had a comic of his. Yeah. Oh, the hero could could be you. So Al Williamson loved that. Oh, that's a good. Ooh, oh, because yeah, did he, did Captain Universe get reborn into someone different all the time? Yeah, Is that that's what right. It was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I so I remember that. Yeah. Oh boy, I mean, the, 
the conversation's going well. Oh, my <laughs> beloved comic. <laughs> you know, that's worth at least... It's probably not quite worth beds. the paper it's printed on. How dare you. No, I'm not saying because it's not a good comic. I'm just saying because those... How dare you. It's <laughs> and and look, how, look how the deal with the hand getting cut off. I always thought that was good looking back on it. It's just the arms behind there. And he was like, oh. So this was um Yeah, no need the, for gratuitous No, it's not well, it's still a kid's comic, you know. Yeah. yeah. Good shit. And this is the, look, there's that famous ad, it was like coming soon uh, yeah. Doctor Strange, Frank Muller, and it never came out. Did oh, it really? Not? It never came out. The only thing that came out was the ad. Oh, what uh, happened to it? I don't know. I can't it's remember. Quite an anomaly then. Yeah. Yeah. And then look, it's got posters, Walt Simonson posters are quite uh, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Uh, it's like Tremors. Bob Layton. Nice. So yeah, good be comic. And then, so Al Williamson was a, a real favourite for me. And he used to, in the early 80s, this book came up here that I've got in this bag. But you never got it here until I went to my first con, like 15 years nice. later. And, and you'd always seen this cover, The Art of Al Williamson. And I thought, I'd love to get that book, I'd love to get that. But I was like, well, well up to the, the late 90s, and I went to a con, and I went, oh, there it is! And it was like, you know, this holy grail, especially when you grew up without cons. Was it a lot of money? Well, the thing oh, was, I was going through, it, and then I went through it, and it was like, another one, and there was like six of them in this box. Oh, right. And then it was like, Two quid or something. Oh, right. So it was like this absolute lifetime holy grail thing. But of course, and that's because I didn't have to pay through your back teeth. There was it, no yeah. cons, no comic shop, no nothing. <laughs> so to me, it was like absolutely amazing. Did you buy all six copies? No, just one was fine. Do you know, I've I'm, I'm never got into that buying multiple copies thing. I know that's a thing with people. I wish I'd done it with some of the records I bought in the 90s. So he's famous for like, before that, he was doing Flash Gordon and all that. And oh, then, right. uh, another thing was when he did the Flash Gordon in the sixties, when they did the Flash Gordon film, mm -hmm. and the, the, they adapted that into a comic, and they got him to do that. The, he adapted ah, the Flash Gordon film. But the thing is, it's like it's got all that detail he puts in. You know, it's totally. You know, Flash Gordon film. I like it, but it's kind of silly. You know, it's yeah. it's got that vibe, camp sort of yep, nature. Yeah. Yeah, he drew it like pure classics. EC. The comic's <laughs> fucking amazing. It's like. Yeah. I remember being like, oh, this is better than the film. <laughs> you know? uh, and the other thing that's... Does he the, get all the likenesses? Mm. Yeah, he does He does do likenesses. He is good at that. And like one thing, when I, when I got this book, and, and look, George Lucas has said a bit about how he thinks he's a great artist and all that, you know. But he'd actually done an original newspaper strip of the first film. But he didn't finish it. Did he not rip anything off him? He ripped stuff off everyone else, didn't he? Well, it's it's um, you do. You hear a lot of these guys that grew up with Al Williamson comics, and they're like saying they went to see Star Wars, and they're, they're, and they were saying like, "Oh, it's Al Williams, it's Al, Al Williamson guys," you know. Yeah. And and they always say, especially the the bit at the end with the medals, when they're all got the gear on, they're like, "Oh, it's just totally Al. That's Al Williamson drew that," you know. Yeah. So this was to me, I uh, you know, love this book. Okay, so this is somebody, this is a webcomic that I only discovered Ooh. in the last two months or so, and I immediately loved it because all the references is stuff that I love in its original format. So this is a comic called Band vs. Band by Kathleen Jacks. It's a Canadian woman writes and draws this. 
absolutely fantastic. Way. She's a, I think she's a graphic designer in a day job. Mm. And the way she uses color is like, so basically, I've already mentioned this, but it's sort of the main influences of this, I would say, are Gem and the Holograms, which I love in its comics mm -hmm. adaptation. Mm -hmm. I love in its original 80s adaptation. I think it's just wonderful. And the other influences would be Archie Comics mm -hmm. and Josie and the Pussycats. And I'm a massive yeah. Archie Comics fan. Dan DiCarlo is my, my god. Like, oh, Dan, oh, wait, comics god. Yeah. I just like, Dan DiCarlo, I could sit and look at all day. Mm -hmm. But um, he's, he's my Kirby. But, um, <laughs> so basically, it's about these two rival bands. Uh, you got the, uh, I can't even remember what their name is. Um, you got Honey Heart and her band all in pink. And then you have uh, Turpentine and her band who are all in blue, who tend to be drawn in the blue colours. The way she letters stuff is phenomenal. Like, the, the, the calligraphy of this, it's not even a font, it's calligraphy at this stage. Yeah, it's just yeah. this whole other level of art. She kind of has that fun sort of activity pages that you get in sort of Saturday morning newspaper strips and mm. sort of the old timey comics. You have the fashion corner. It's like how to dress for jury duty, <laughs> how to dress. It's like responsible citizen. So um, Honey Heart is sort of the gem character is the best way to do it. So she's all about sort of doing the PSAs that you always get in those 80s cartoons yeah. where Jem had them as well. They'd be like, don't do drugs. Yeah, yeah. So this is one where she's like, today's lesson is how to save kittens who can get stuck into beer rings. And like the turpentine in her <laughs> band, will, you know, the sort of get, uh, six baby kittens could get stuck oh, in the rings that yeah, keep yeah, your beers yeah, together. Yeah. And then like uh, the, how is it? Sourables in the name of the Bible band show up to sort of ruin it. But the, and it's like, uh, the ongoing storyline that kind of is going on in it. I mean, even this. So she's got like you know you're seen. Of course, you got to have a Dan DiCarlo. You got to have a woman in the front ground who's slightly more realistic than everyone in the background. Yeah. It's like a classic Archie comics thing, which I'm absolutely obsessed with. Um, but the main sort of storyline that's going on is that Honeyheart and Turpentine from the two rival bands are falling in love across the across the comic. I think it's it's just everything. I read it in about three two. It's it's been running for since 2011. And oh. they, because it's a webcomic, yeah. they only it's got together weird. in like 2016. And I was reading through years worth of material, like, when are they gonna get together? Right. <laughs> but it, um, it truly is just, mm. I'm trying to think, these are just ones that I printed off when I was bringing it to Speech Bubble. So I don't know if there's any, there's this one about <coughs> electrical safety. They always have, I love music comics. Yeah. I love, yeah. and they always have these songs that all kind of happen and, um, There'll be like one, two, and the way she kind of writes in it in the lyrics. Sometimes it comes across really lame when people do music and lyrics. The way she does it, it all just works on sort of the meter, and it's something that actually made me want to go back to playing music because I wanted to sort of like, you know, work out these songs musically. It's just so good. Uh, this is, yeah, that's it. I've got loads of copies nice, of the yeah. various awesome. printouts of the pages. Mm. Because just, I think some of my favourite ones as I was reading through it at the time. It's, it is good to be, well, the, uh, all the type is all so integrated into the art, the isn't it? The way she does the type I kinda, It reminds so me, good. you know what they did in that something city? Yeah. You know, that, that's full of like yeah, blocks of colour with the letter and then... Yeah, it's yeah. It's not just standard yeah. balloons, you know. Alice Weaver? Mm. Yeah. Is that her Yeah. Race to the... They've nice. got like another activity page here. It's like, race to the gig. I like that sound effect there. Thunder. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 that's good, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. It's 
I've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are you? You're off. Yeah, I've got to do it. Oh well, we're better. Oh, what was your what number was three? You no, 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 no. Oh, third one. What was it? Oh. Uh, <laughs> You're not getting away with it. You're good, I like that. Well, it's more like a trio. All right, okay. Of people with a common with a common denominator. So, Derek Robertson is the common Uh guy. Okay. And the two kind of splinters are Warren Ellis and Garth Ennis. Yeah. So, Derek Robertson and Warren Ellis with Transmetropolitan. Um, but Warren Ellis also did Planetary and and some Hellblazers as well. And I enjoyed that Planetary. Planetary mm. is dead good. But then Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson did The Boys, mm-hmm. which was brilliant. And Garth Ennis, obviously, Preacher. Mm-hmm. So, like, the combo of them three kind of working together sometimes, not mm-hmm. as a trio, but, you know, Derek Robertson being like the... the the sticky glue between them. Uh, I think they've come up with some right stuff. Transmetropolitan, the, the Boys and Preacher have got to be three of my favourite titles from the last 20 years, I've got to say. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, that's that's it, really. Right, cheerio. Nice, nice. to have met you. <laughs> Lovely to meet you as yeah. well. Yeah, see you later, fellas. Ta-da. Right. See, see you later. See you later. That is banging. It's so good. B versus B comics. You can read it all for free online, which is I just missed the Kickstarter. She just ran another Kickstarter to sell like the second volume, and I just missed it when I first started reading it. And also, like it's a web comic, so the art improves as you as you read it. Her art gets what was her name again? So much better. Kathleen Jacks, as in J A C K U E S, and it's just ours. I read it for comfort. <laughs> I was That's like, good. when you need a bit of a pick me up, yeah. I'm like, this love, is that comic. I love when you find um, something like that. <laughs> just like you can just sort of melt into when you're yeah. just like, oh, this is amazing. It's uh, yeah. my one, uh, my honourable mention is something like that. So. Kitchen. Want to join Kitchen Haircut Club? <laughs> 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 That's good. No, ga- no thanks, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Oh, shall I, three. shall I do the honourable mention first? No, do your number three. Okay, number three. Yep, oh. this is one of his most famous Water and best Sanderson. works. When he had his go on Thor, yep. he did some brilliant ideas, and one of them was never judge uh, a character by their appearance, because there was a character called Beta Ray Bill, and you instantly thought of him as being a villain, and then all of a sudden... He picks up the hammer mm-hmm. and gets the power of Thor. And the artwork, I think, is pretty oh, good. It's yeah. brilliant. It's, um, recently, it's been redone, uh, coloured in a sort of modern oh. colours. But I, I prefer this original, how it was to begin <laughs> with. There was a bunch of uh, Walt Simonson uh, Thors went on uh, Comixology for like total song mm-hmm. recently it was like a pound or something yeah yeah, yeah. to get them it was ridiculous I, yes. I think I bought like three volumes cool. and Loki's in it as well Loki's quite devious uh, a little bit of Loki oh yeah with uh, the sister of the Enchantress which is uh, quite funny because she's got the same dastardly habits as well cool Um, my number three 
is the lovely Bill Watson. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes. Um, there isn't actually much I can see because I'm so biased behind this strip that all I can see is it's fucking awesome and anybody that doesn't like Calvin and Hobbes I think should be shot by firing squad. <laughs> um, it is one of the best comic strips, if not the best comic strip of all time. It's tied for tied with peanuts in my opinion, but hey ho. Um, it's just a nice little pick me up a strip that you can just kind of get lost in if you're sitting wondering what to read and just kind of floating about and you get a wee bit of uh, sort of metaphor work in there there's some nice uh, sort of life lessons there's just nice stories about friendship there's good things about uh, stories just with a kids and their parents and trying to understand each other and there's imaginary things going on, there's Sunday strips, it's sorts. It's just so, so well put together. Calvin and Hobbes is just an absolute classic and Bill Watterson should be proud, but my whole point was that he has just completely disappeared altogether. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I don't know if he's alive or dead or I what. Think he's alive. He's alive, yeah. Is he definitely alive? Yeah, yes. I think he is. I always get worried that he would die and nobody would know. No, I, I think don't think so. The comics world would be up in arms about yeah, it. Yeah, because he just kind of does nothing at yeah, all. Yeah, no, he's alive. Does he I think he paints now. Does he paint mm. now? Yeah. Right. That sounds like Ralph Basky when he quit being an animator, mostly because he always had conflicts with the uh, animation yeah. studios. He right. went on to painting. I would love to meet him. But at the same point, I wouldn't. Because it'd be like meeting your heroes. That's yeah. not. Yeah. That's never good. But at the same point, if he was to speak fondly, I would like to. I would love to meet him and, and pick his brain about how he came up with the idea and what. Mm -hmm. But I it's met, just. I met David Shepard. He was one of my heroes. Uh, he's no longer with us. But when I met him, I thought I was. I was very chuffed. Yeah. It was a brilliant time. So you never know if you ever get the opportunity to meet Bill. Go for it. Yeah. I just it's so effortless and yet just so incredibly detailed and just lovely. It's just a it's just a beautiful book and it just makes you feel so happy. It's just incredible. I love it. I just absolutely love it. And he just takes the takes the button. Mm -hmm. Takes the number one spot. Definitely. Just makes me smile. Yeah. It's so well drawn as well. Yeah. So um just a, a quick recap for everybody's uh, two creators. Nando was John Byrne, Mobius, and Paco Roca. Mm -hmm. Dave, you were Sam Henderson, Mary Fleener, and Al Williamson. Mm. Mike, you were Akira Toriyama, Bill Finger, and Walter Simonson. Uh, Olivia, you were Kate Beaton, mm -hmm. Katie Skelly, mm -hmm. and Kathleen Jacks. The, the, Jax, the, free, of the Trinity of Kates. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Like that. Uh, G Man was Sergio Aragones, Brian Talbot, and the, the group of um, Derek Robinson and his, uh, his sort of team with either uh, Warren Ellis or Gav Venice, but Derek Robinson, basically. And I had uh, Derf, Daniel Klaus, and Bill Watts. Nice. It's good, good, uh, solid top threes from everybody. Yeah. Definitely. I'll have.
Tony Millionaire as my honourable mention. Nice. Very good. Mackey's. Yeah. Salt Monkey. That's very Jackie good. Crow. Love that. I love, love that. He was he was nearly one of the three. Right. When I was thinking about it today. That's good. I like that. Mac Mackey's is oh, so good. Funny. So good. It's cruel as well. It is. It's brutal. It's a nice shape of book. Yeah. yeah. I love that shape of the book. The yeah. strip. Yeah. Size, shape of book. I know I say it every so often, but I'm definitely going to do one of them. Honourable mention? I was thinking about maybe Jaime Hernandez to sound intelligent, but then I was like, nope, I'm going to stick with my theme, Kate Leaf. Because again, she's influenced. Another Kate. Yes. Because she's another person who's influenced by sort of teen humor comics. And when I think back to why I like Jaime Hernandez so much, it's because of mm. that references to Archie. And she yeah. kind of pulls a lot on the Patsy Walker comics, which is like mm -hmm. sort of a rival to Archie. And Al Hartley, who does the Patsy Walker art, is another sort of just mouthwateringly great artist. He's so good. He's such a good artist. But he also then went and did um, that weird Christian. Nazi comic Hansi the girl who loved the Swatsuka and he also went on Ooh. to do all the weird Christian Archie comics mm. so he's okay. not like so it's a bit of a love-hate relationship so that's why I'm mm. picking Kate not Al mm. but like she does these like really great sort of like her Patsy Walker series I read I'm always she's always like ahead of me by like a couple of years so I'll read her stuff and I'll be like eh wasn't that great and then I'll read it again to a year later or something and be like you know what? I wasn't ready for yeah. how <laughs> good this is yeah, yeah. and how funny and intelligent and the way it kind of it's just another thing that's very steeped in references I really like and sort of yeah it's just great Pat, her Patsy Walker run is just wonderful mm. go for it dude well I had so many people in mind that even some I thought of while I was sitting here and I could have said Simon Farrow because I've actually met him he did a lot of Transformer uh, stories including the Backstabber Starscream which is my <laughs> favourite character there but the one I brought is um we all like we all like a bit of Spider-Man. I mean, Steve Ditko did do a, a brilliant oh, yeah. job, but there was one artist. No, there's no but. <laughs> no, I'm afraid we need a one, but we're giving you the medal there. Sorry, like, not him. Oh, I love Jim Rooney. But um, there was one artist when I was uh, when I was a uh, kid. Yeah. Um, to get to get past the uh, phenomenal, who is the Hobgoblin story? Oh, he came okay. up with uh, an idea that kind of. Um, Kind of, uh, uh, not quite, well, yeah, just just top that. Uh, and it's uh, Todd McFarlane. Oh. Because, uh, no, I've got to say this because, <laughs> because. And now I know why you're going to bring Bob Liefeld into this. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, he brought the spider out of the man. That's why, because I, I did grow up reading some of Todd McFarlane's okay. stuff. Yeah. And... Uh, most people had Spider-Man as a man who could do the odd spider thing. But if he was standing normal, he'd be like, you know, standing upright. Or if he was, even if he was hanging off the wall, he'd be like a man, a gymnast, who was like holding himself like that. Todd McFarlane did images like this, where there's a man who actually had the mannerisms, physical mannerisms of an actual spider. I stick See, with the cartoons. My, my reaction, this collection is... Perfect in a way because Venom to me is the cut off point. I, I was like, I was so into Spider Man, it was you know, Peter David was like writing it, 
like the Secret Wars, he got that alien mm. costume, he's got the new costume, then it turned it to be a symbiote alien yeah. thing, and then it was, and all that, I was reading all of that, loving it, and then the whole death of Gene DeWolf story, like, I was reading mm. all this, Peter David, great, and then it's like, I looked away for about two months, and I came back, and it looked like this, and I was just like, what, it's, I love it, <laughs> Because I, I didn't like Tom McFarlane. <laughs> Tom McFarlane was drawing the Hulk before he was drawing this. And I was just like sitting waiting on him getting off the Hulk. <laughs> uh, and then the, and, that, and that was like, no. And then when I saw Venom right away, and I'm, I know, I'm sure I've said it before, yeah. but that fucking mouth with all those teeth and that big tongue, I just thought, Somebody taking the piss. Well, I liked him in the old ones. I just thought that was a fucking joke. I liked him in the old ones when it was like a proper grin. I mean, now they really do go overboard. See the proper grin? I thought that was a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know, he then became... I sat there and went, well, I'm not having that. And then he became the coolest character ever. Venom. And then it was like the Venom comic. And then it was like, we still all love Venom. And I'm just like, no, he's the sign of when I went, no thanks. Okay. So you're not going to see the Venom movie? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that film looks silly as well, the bits yeah. I've seen of that. But then that's right in character, isn't it? See this here, this is the stuff I was reading, and it's like mm. Inker, it's Kyle, Kyle Baker. Kyle Baker's inking this. I mean, he's like top notch. He was nearly included tonight as well for me. Mm. Mm. Have you had your honourable mention? No. Um, <sighs> this is hard. Yeah. I was going to... I was actually going to go for Charles Schultz. Mm, nice. Because it was between him and Watson for the third, for the number one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided I'm going to kind of just throw a bunch of them out there <laughs> instead of just no, one. Just one. No, just one. Fourth. No. If you want me to do just one honourable mention, it's going to be a bit cringeworthy. Go on then. Do it. And then you can follow up with the rest. Here's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's not cringeworthy. That's still in my. That should have been everybody's, in fact. That is stuff that's shown on the window of Forbidden Planet. That's my uh, front that's, window. That's in Shots. keeping with my theme. Shots because <laughs> as soon as you put anything out, Dave, I'm uh, I'm on there. I want to oh, see it. Wow. I want to see it straight off. Oh, thanks, man. I'm a big fan. I'm a big, big fan. Do you think oh, he's sort of? Do, do you think he's on the yeah. same level yeah. as Todd McFarlane? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Todd McFarlane's a millionaire, isn't he? That you, you're one of the very few people who's actually written stuff that's made me laugh audibly. Ooh. So it's definitely highly rated. Big time. Oh, well. mm. it's David Robertson takes my. Uh, my nice. Well, you, d- you don't need to say any of those. Yeah. I've changed my mind. You don't need to back it up anymore. That's no, thanks, man. You are more entertaining than Todd McFarlane. I have to, you know, I have to say that. The only oh, other ones boy. I was going to mention was just because of, the, because of like oh. I said, the theme uh-huh. was because uh, because of the theme of like that I want to see their stuff as soon as it comes out was uh, Bob Turner, mm-hmm. obviously because he's been flood and death rattle, and I love his uh, wordless. Wordless comics. They are uh, nice yeah. and colourful. Yeah. 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 Lovely, lovely. Yeah, nice stuff. Oh, really nice stuff. Mm. Good design. Um, and big fan Never of Rebecca's. Yep. Big, big fan of Rebecca's. She's, uh, she's wow. got a lovely, lovely, lovely style. And those colours are just fucking unreal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. So, yeah. I just want to see 
good. Any of them, but Super my honourable mention goes to you, sir. Definitely. Oh. Definitely. Thanks for honourably mentioning me. <laughs> so, um, seeing how it's just us and hanging out, what's, uh, what's everybody been reading? Mm. Well, I've been reading the Dragon Ball Super. I'm at volume three now. And Battle Angel Lita, The Mars Chronicles. I'm also finished number three. And I'm a little bit through the uh, Batman book that I've shown you. That's my comic book reading list recently. Oh, yeah, the Batman, yeah. Mm. You notice there was uh, the, the wee bookmark. I was aiming to get it all read, but unfortunately I, I kind of got distracted and didn't have enough time to read it all. That Darwin Cook cover is lovely. Mm. That is really nice. Mm. Well, I, I was in Newcastle. And went in with a bit of planet and to just look and see what they had. And went right by the sail bit, as I always do. And they had the entirety of Charlie's War there. Yes, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I already. Pat Mills, yeah. And I had the first one. Often with these great series that I would like to have all of them, I think, well, I'm not buying all of them. You know, I can't have all 10 volumes or whatever of other So I'll buy the first one and leave it at that and kind of wish I had the rest. But I don't have any more room to breathe in my house. <laughs> so, but we went in, we went in the uh, Forbidden Planet, and instead of being fifteen pound each, they were five pound each. And I thought, wow, you know, I think. And, and then it was like three for the price of two. So I thought, oh, wait a minute, you know, my brain was standing going. Uh. So I thought, well, I can get, I can get three then. I'll get two, one, two, three, four. And I thought, well, I'm going to end up with one to four though, and then be in. I thought, mm, I think I'm going to wait to buy thing volumes of this. And you've seen them, the big hardback. Yeah. Uh, mm. So yeah, I got the, the uh, number two to number ten for 30 quid. I walked out with the carry bags full of them. <laughs> and then it was so hot that week. So yeah. and we were on holiday, but it was just like, when you stepped outside the door, it was just like Roasted. going into an oven, you know. Yeah. So I just lay about all week and read up to volume eight of Charlie's yeah. War. It was brilliant. Sure. To read it like that, well, I, I really like the way it's very definitely the old kind of weekly comic format. You know? Yeah. So you, you've got the three, four pages, and then it stops, and you can you can feel it's definitely a kids comic, mm. but it's giving you so much amazing uh, information, plot bits, and some harrowing stuff, you know, yeah. of what happened in the First World War. Mm. So really uh, amazing. And I got um, I got the new Lee the Extraordinary Gentleman, the Tempest, the first one I read. Oh, nice. I read that, and that's been what you'd expect, same as ever. Enjoy that, and this is the last one. So I'm really intrigued when you think that you know that series is. Well, you'll know it's like all fiction that's ever happened really did happen in mm. the universe of this comic. That's all the reality. And this is the last series, and it's all going. It's going to end everything, you know. So it's like I can't wait to read it and see what happens, you know. Because he's already ended a, a universe before when he did the end of the the ABC universe with Tom Strong, and that universe ended, and he did the last what issue. Did he end it? Yeah, I mean the universe ended and right. the storyline. So that and that was that was epic and 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 a really good read. He did it really well, you know. Yeah. Chris Sprouse, good artist as well. 
But this being, this is almost like the end of everything, you know? <laughs> the end of all fiction. I've actually had a really weird couple of days because I just finished writing like a huge chunk of the PhD and because of that I actually got so stressed I couldn't read comics anymore because all of my comics are somehow mm. will make me think about which is the first yeah. time I've ever felt that so that was really weird so I've actually been reading prose reading um, I'm reading Wet Moon Volume 1 at the moment uh, Zoo lent that to me and it's bit too angsty it's too i mean i've never before felt that something was too angsty for me because i mm. love angst but this other i'm like this is a bit too angsty for me yeah it's all right though and i've always reading archies and i can't think of anything interesting like super interesting that i've been reading recently in the comic book world i recently read the jinty reprints they did i quite enjoyed them Ooh. Yeah, the science fiction girls comic from the 70s mm. so they reprinted land of no tears which is pat mills and they reprinted The Human Zoo, which is Malcolm Shaw's anti... It's not anti, it's a pro-animal rights in the 70s. Mm -hmm. He uh, went to a chimpanzee pie and he was very upset about it. And he kind of wrote this whole science fiction comic. <laughs> and it's super preachy, very Planet of the Apes, but it's mm. really great. It's like, so I think good. the sort of... Both him and Pat Mills, where they do really well in Jinty, is these horror moments where they just kind of... They'll have sort of like... The way... Oh, they're just The horror in it is great. And it really kind of makes you think. There's a, Pat Mills has a section where it's this future and the robot nurse is looking after this baby and it puts the baby too close to the radiator because it's not working properly so the baby's <laughs> hair is being the baby's being burnt alive yeah. and it's screaming but the robot doesn't know what's wrong with it so it's trying to sing to it to yeah. make the ah it's really kind of sticks in your memory it's yeah. the baby survives the baby's fine but um <laughs> it's like stuff like that and uh, malcolm shaw as well really great stuff in the human zoo so that was my top pick that no sounds really good uh, how, where do you buy that or do you buy that online i got it from Bitter planet it came oh, okay. out there's still another one there. it yes. came out probably about where when we had uh, the comics con in that. Glasgow, it's a rebellion publisher. Rebellion bought up well, all the IPC stuff. Bringing that stuff out. Yeah, yeah so they, they, I need to read the Bell at the Bar, and they've got two more volumes of Misty I've yet to read. Oh. So I'm a bit behind on it, but um, the Jinty was that's what I really wanted to read. I really want them to re release Worlds Apart, which is one where all these girls are having a joint fever dream and they each go into each other's fever dream and it's this girl's ideal world that's helped everybody else and the girl whose world it is has to die so they can leave it and mm. get on to the next world. And it's like this sadistic 80s comic. That's what I really wanted to read. You, you didn't read these first time around. No, my mum no. read Jinty first time ah, around. Okay. So it's got a personal connection to me because yeah. it's one of my mum's favourite ones growing oh, up. Nice, yeah. But uh, no, I, I never read 70s or 80s Jinty no. growing up. I've read I very little Jinty. Yeah. But I was excited to read it. I remember reading girls' comics, and my cousin, mm -hmm. she she, and they were really good. That's yeah. what I remember. But it was like a secret. You know what? You couldn't admit it. You're like, ah, oh, the ego. Oh yeah, yeah. Can yeah. I say Sean Phillips' art? Pure nineties girl comic. Pure eighties girl mm -hmm. comic. Like he was posting new stuff he's doing at the moment. I was like, literally, that's eighties. He worked on Nikki, I think it was. Yeah. I was like, that is straight up Nikki. And he still does that style, but now everybody's like, oh, it's so great, it's so noir. I'm like, it's a girl's comic. Like, he's literally just doing yeah. what DC Thompson was doing in the 80s. Like he's just perfected yeah. it. It's good, but it's just girls' comics. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Cool. Nice. Cool. There was a question asked to you. There was. Olivia. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, I did get a question. That was yeah. fun. It was the Comics Art Festival podcast. The question was. 
Haven't been published. This is such an ego trip for me. Haven't oh, been no. published in 2000 AD. Who mm. would you choose your next character to create a story for from the comic? Ooh, um, what was that? Who would, if basically, if you could write, I'm like a comic could that by accident. And the next, yeah, another 2000 AD character, who would you write for? Um, I think that's a tough one because I know 2000 AD isn't creator owned, but the ones I like kind of are creator owned almost. Like, you, Zombo is a character I really like, and you couldn't have Zombo not written by Al Ewing and not drawn by Henry Flint. Same thing with um, Nemesis is not one I like, and you couldn't have Nemesis and not be Pat Mills and Kevin O'Neill. Mm. Um, so, and I always feel like I like Joe Jensen, but I, I always feel like it's like the stereotype is oh you're a girl you must like judge anderson and i do like it but like i don't mm. so um i have absolutely no idea who i would pick for a 2080 character i might just be sad and go judge anderson because she is great and you, mm. you can get away with more judge anderson you can have a fun judge anderson comic and like alan like i really love arthur rackham's art on it and the brett ewan's art and um alan grant yeah Let's go for my girl Jojo. Mama, was it Mama Anderson didn't raise no fool? There's a line that she says, which is great. I do love, I do love a bit of Jojo Anderson. Cool. That's that's my answer. It's not a great answer. I think if no. they were to be like, you could pick anything in Rebellion's catalog that they own and open it up to the IPC stuff, I would mm. be like, Catgirl. Catgirl from Sally. That's exactly mm. what I'd want to write. She's a girl. She has a costume, a cat's costume. It gives her all the benefits and downfalls of being a cat so like she'll drown in water but she can do all this other stuff her dad's a bubbling detective and she tries to help him by putting on this cat costume and doing stuff and i'm just like that's just like, you could go anywhere with that you can so, write that yeah I'd, no write, problem. I'd write that in a heartbeat kind of. <laughs> yeah they to bring that back nice cool Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. This is, is it normally as long as this or was this? Uh, it can sometimes run this <laughs> To send us any comments or questions or just to say hello. You can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com. We're also available on Instagram and Twitter at thatcomicsmell. Share the podcast with your friends and followers. We're available on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Our music is by Chart Smasher a.k.a. John Adam. You can find John on Twitter at Joanidam and you can buy the track Dialogue on Bandcamp.